Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Hey, good morning. Uh, Welcome to Lighthouse Community, where we help people say yes to Jesus. My name is Fritz Bilo. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Lighthouse, and super glad you're here with us. I did want to welcome all of our guests uh, here in the house, and I want to welcome those joining us online. Uh, If you're at Bluffton Community, you're Fostoria, uh, you're at Lighthouse Online, uh, wherever you're at, thanks for being a part of what's going on here. And I want to encourage you, uh, if you're online, go to mylighthousecommunity.com forward slash live, and you get access to all of the things that we have there, uh, the top three, connection card, the chat, uh, live stream, all of that really, really good stuff. Uh, Well, if you've been around Lighthouse community for really any amount of time, you know that we love celebrating baptism uh, here at Lighthouse community. Uh, You know, this is the public declaration when you say, hey, I'm a Christ follower, and I want everybody uh, I know to know. And before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, one of the best first steps for somebody who comes to faith and puts their trust in me is to take the step of baptism. And so if you're here this morning and if you're joining us online and you're a believer and you haven't taken the step of baptism yet, let me encourage you to take that next step. We've got baptism scheduled here March 20th. Uh, We also have another date on April 10th. And so if you're interested in getting more information about that, check that next step on your connection card. We'll get you all the info uh, and help you take next steps following Jesus as your leader and your forgiver. Okay, hey, uh, so this morning, uh, I'm actually going to be inviting a few friends uh, to join me this morning, kind of help teach through uh, our uh, message today. So I'm going to invite Yvonne Anderson, uh, Chrissy Starr, and Larry Sewell. If you guys will come and join me up here on the the platform, I'd appreciate it. Hey, Lighthouse, would you mind giving these guys uh, a warm welcome this morning? Let them know you're glad they're here and they've joined us. Great. Good, good. All right, there's Larry coming in. All right. Hey, guys, thanks so much for coming and joining this morning. Really appreciate it. So uh, those of you guys who may not know, uh, this is Yvonne Anderson. Yvonne is our ministry assistant here at Lighthouse Community. She is the glue that holds us together. Right? That's worrisome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little known fact that you might not know about Yvonne, can I tell them? Yvonne, I don't know. She's an author. Oh. She, oh, yeah, she, you can tell them. That. Okay, yeah, that's right. She she she's written novels, um, and so yeah, those are long books, right? So a novel. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I read them all the time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, go on Amazon, find Yvonne, buy them all. All right. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> Good. Uh, and Chrissy Starr, Chrissy, uh, you're one of our uh, small group co-leaders here at Lighthouse Community, and uh, yeah, we're really glad you're a part of it. And you've got you've got some kids. Tell us about tell us about your kids real quick. Yeah, I have a six-year-old Silas and a two-year-old Josiah. That's so right. he's my my handful. Oh yeah, <laughs> we uh, we had a Zoom meeting this week, and it was it was us and Chrissy and Josiah. Yeah, yeah and uh, he was great. He was great. He did wonderful. And so, uh, yeah, and then uh, Larry, uh, you guys probably know, Larry's one of our elders here at Lighthouse Community, he actually helped to start Lighthouse Community from its very inception. And so, uh, Larry, oh, I had a thought, but I'm holding back. All right, I'm going to ask. All right, okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, what's, what's like your greatest fear? My greatest yeah. fear? I have no fears. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, have, I have equal fears of spiders and snakes. Yeah. Right? But there's other four-legged things that really creep you out. Yeah. Like dogs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do jog in the neighborhood, and sometimes... I was chased by a three-legged dog one time. Yeah. We, we matched to speed, so I was able to get away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. There you go. This is what you have to deal with this morning, okay? Right here. This is the cream. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you guys for being a part of it this morning. Uh, we're we're going to dive right into this morning. I want you to imagine for a moment that uh, you are on a hike. Maybe you're going through a nature preserve somewhere you've never really been before in southeastern Ohio with the rolling hills and the beginning of the mountains are beginning to go there. And as you're walking through, enjoying the scenery, um, a tree taps you on the shoulder, right? just taps you on the shoulder and begins a conversation with you. And the tree introduces himself as Oakley, right? Uh, and so Oakley wants to talk with, all he wants to talk with you about is the creator. He wants to tell you all about the creator. He wants to tell you how powerful he is, how, how uh, logical, how thoughtful, how caring, um, how orderly he is. And he's asking, do you know him? He's great. He's amazing. You should really know the creator if you don't know the creator. Now, here's my question. Would you believe the tree? Maybe you go, well, yeah, because trees don't talk to me every day, right? Named Oakley. So if a talking tree says something, I'm going to listen, right? Or is because what the tree said is actually, actually reasonable? Actually, what the tree said uh, is right, and it's true. You know, Psalm uh, 19, verse 1, says that the heavens proclaim the glory of God and the skies display his craftsmanship. Job 12 says to ask the animals and to ask the earth, and they all will tell you about God. Now, you may not have a tree named Oakley come up to you and begin a conversation about the Creator, but did you know that creation does speak? Creation is speaking all of the time. And it has one primary message, and it's this. God is, right? God is. Yeah, De God definitely is. And we see that all around us. Um, Fritz, you were talking about trees. So let's talk about trees. Did you guys know that trees can actually communicate with each other? It sounds wild, right? Um, but trees are able to tell each other when they have a need or when there's danger around. So what that looks like is this. If a tree is being eaten by an insect, say like a beetle, that tree will produce a chemical to make its leaves taste bad, and then it will release another chemical to warn the trees around it that there's danger nearby. Not only that, but trees can communicate under the ground as well, where their roots are twice as big as their branches above. Their roots can connect with each other and share nutrients when one is sick. Trees can even rearrange their roots to make room for a new sapling to grow. So it's just crazy to think about. But God's creation just shouts of him. Intelligent design is everywhere we look. And we all have this information available to us, but we have to decide what to do with it. Uh, according to Pew Research, 56% of Americans believe in God. Another 23% believe in an unnamed higher power force. Interestingly, though, 80% of Christians, professing Christians, say that they believe in God as described in the Bible. 
What the other 20% believe in, I'm not sure of. Um, but the thing is, the Bible begins with the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is our foundation. So we need to know what we believe and why. And the Bible is either all true or none of it is. And as we looked at a couple of weeks ago, it's all true. Um, Yvonne, can you speak more to this? Um, yeah, you might be wondering, um, so what difference does any of this make to me? I'm in the world, the world's in the world, and you know, who cares? But um, it is really important because God created mankind to walk with him, and that's our purpose. In Genesis 3, 3 we read that when Adam and Eve first violated God's plan for them, the first, their response was to hide in shame from God. And God's response to that was to call to them. He wanted to call them back to him, and give, he gave them garments to cover their nakedness. He's been calling to mankind ever since, calling us to stop hiding from him and to let him robe us in his righteousness and to have fellowship with him because that's the way we're designed to live. Everyone in this room no doubt believes in God or we wouldn't be here, but it's important not just to believe that God is, but it's important to believe that God is who he says he is according to the Bible, that is the creator of all things and a personal God who cares deeply about each one of us, who reaches out to us and brings us back to himself. If you're talking about or if your God is a different God than that, then you're making up your own God. It's a false God and that is an insult to the true God. And it results in the kind of the very kind of chaos that our world is in today. When we try to make our own way, we mess up. And God is continually calling us, like He called Adam and Eve in the garden. He doesn't drag it out, drag us out of the bushes by our hair and force us to walk with Him. But when we acknowledge who He is and that we're messing up our lives trying to do it on our own, He welcomes us into the relationship He created us to have with Him. Mm -hmm. There are different ways of wording that, but here at Lighthouse, we just call that saying yes to Jesus. Um, however you word it, there's no advantage to not saying yes to Jesus. He is the giver of life. Why would you choose death? Yeah, that's right. That's good. Yeah, we're going to uh, talk about truth from the scripture. This is a series. This, uh, it's a six-week series called uh, What is Real? And uh, two weeks ago, Fritz talked about uh, the scriptures and why we can trust the scriptures. Last week we talked about truth. Remember the big rock. Jesus is the truth as it's displayed in scripture. And uh, there's six different weeks to this series. This week we're talking about uh, the existence of God and what we can know about that. So if you'd want to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, I think the verses will be up on the screen behind me also. Uh, we're going to kick off the truth section here by going to Romans chapter 1 and uh, Chrissy's going to read verses 18 through 23 for us. All right, here we go. For the wrath of God is revealed against heaven, or from, I'm sorry, from heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So here we see that Adam and Eve knew God from the beginning, right? They saw him in all of creation. He revealed himself to them. He is a God of wisdom, of power, and of order. They also know that he was eternal, not created, but rather here from the beginning. And here the passage takes a turn at verse 21. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So as time goes on, rather than worshiping the creator, we worshiped the creation. Um, And that has only resulted in destruction of our minds and our hearts. Uh, Bible commentator Warren Wearsby points out that first on this list of idols is man. And this fulfilled what Satan wanted when he told Eve, you will be like God. We've put ourselves in that position. And these verses in Romans, they reveal the condition of the human heart, but they also offer us a promise of hope that God has revealed himself in creation. Um, in Psalm 33, 6, the Bible says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. I want you guys to think about a couple of things here. The sun is 93 million miles away from earth. It rules the day, and it marks our seasons. It's the perfect size to support life here on earth. Just to compare, if the earth were the size of a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. That is 960,000 golf balls that would fit into that sun. It's pretty wild to think about. And this star, our sun, God breathed that out. One of the largest stars that scientists have found is named Canis Majoris. If the Earth were the size of a golf ball, Canis Majoris would be as tall as Mount Everest. And as I was reading in my son's book from Chick-fil-A last night, that's five and a half (laughs) miles above sea level. You wouldn't even be able to see your golf ball from the top. And you wouldn't be able to order Chick-fil-A from up there either, I don't think. That would be sad. (laughs) (laughs) I remember, you're on here, okay? Um, This would be seven quadrillion Earths that would fit in Canis Majoris. And that is enough golf balls to cover the state of Texas 22 inches deep in golf balls. This is a big God, and he breathed out these stars. In Isaiah 40, 26, it says, Look up into the heavens. Who created the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. I love that. An army of stars. Um, In our Milky Way galaxy... Scientists estimate that there are between 100 billion and 400 billion stars. When I read those numbers, I thought, wow, that's a big difference in that estimate, right? There's a whole 300 billion in between there. The thing is, they can't count them. But we know the one who can and who breathed them out. Um, If you try to count all the stars just in our galaxy alone, counting one per second that the scientists know about, you would be counting for 3,168 years. 
we have a mighty God, don't we? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, you know, that's just looking at the universe, um, right? And if you do, that's like this macro level uh, look at uh, all of that creation. And yet there's like clarity of God when you just, you look at yourself, right? When you, when you realize how orderly and how logical um, the miracle of the eye, right? You cannot recreate that. Nobody's figured out how does that even get to where it is. It's so complex. It's so remarkable. Uh, when you think about, you know, Larry, you've pointed about the fact that the image of God within us really points to the fact that, you know. Yeah, you can look at the, you know, the, the universe and you can look at uh, the, the things that are so small that they're only implied. You can't even see them in a microscope. And then uh, within us, we have this image of God. We long for something we long for something more, and there's this internal witness, and we see all of this around us, and we feel this sense within us, and all of that just points to God, uh, the creator of everything. And we're all religious, aren't we? Like, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. Whether yeah. whether you go to a temple or you go to a church or maybe mm-hmm. your religion is... Humanism. Out, that's right. Outside, yeah. your family, your kids, your whatever, but everybody worships something. I think yeah. that's something built within. So, what, Yvonne, when you think about the fact that God can clearly be seen just in creation, what are the things that become really apparent about him? So, just, just from looking at creation, not even looking at anything else. Well, the first thing I think of is um, we know the universe is composed of matter and energy, but scientists can't tell us where any of that came from. Mm-hmm. I mean, it allegedly started with a big bang, but it had to start with something. No one can tell us where it came from except the Bible. And he tell, the Bible tells us that God created everything out of nothing. Uh, that indicates that he can do something that no one else can do. He has a power that's beyond anything in our experience. It just sets him so far apart from everyone else. But the very fact that we are all here on this creation of his tells us that he is there because he created it. Mm-hmm. He designed it all from uh, atoms and quarks to the vastness of space with a purpose and with intention. Uh, from this, we learn that his understanding is so far beyond ours that there is even no comparison. That's right. um, and it's all held together by physical laws um, like gravity and electromagnetism. Matter doesn't decide how it's going to behave. It has to follow laws. So that would indicate that our creator is an orderly God and one whose laws are to be obeyed. But our world is more than just physical. What about, Larry touched on this, less tangible things like beauty and meaning and truth. We're, being, we're created in God's images, image, and so we long for meaning and beauty and truth. Beauty causes us to, uh, causes an ache deep within us that makes us long for more. Um, we make moral judgments and we uh, feel the obligation to act in a moral way. That's not a physical thing. That's a, that's a God thing. We search for truth, and we recognize that not everything is true. Whether we acknowledge it or not, this all gives us glimpses of the character of our creator. And so you can see God clearly from the scriptures. I mean, this, or excuse me, from creation, you see that in Romans 1. I mean, that's what yeah. is put, you know, you look around, he's there. <laughs> you know, you really almost have to intentionally uh, resist that. Yeah. Yeah. But Romans no, talks. No, I don't see him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But Romans talks about that, doesn't it? The fact that people do intentionally. Yes. Yeah. Intentionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we see it in the scriptures, such as the passage we're talking about. Um, and also in John 3.19, where Jesus said that mankind chose darkness rather than light. In fact, this is literally the oldest trick in the book. Back in Genesis 3, the servant asked Eve, 
did God really mean what he said? Um, and he enticed her to question the creator's word, and he gave her a lie to believe, um, to exchange for it. Like in the John, uh, yeah, Romans says they exchanged a lie for the truth. We're each born with a conscience, and from a very early age, we have a general idea of right and wrong, but we don't always like it when God whispers in our conscience. A little girl will tell a lie even though she knows she shouldn't because it makes her feel better about herself. Or mom tells her little brother to put the toys away and he doesn't want to because he'd rather play with them. And we all do the same thing. It's easy to see in our kids, but we do the same thing ourselves. Especially my kids. No, no not especially your kids. <laughs> Just in, kidding. In especially yeah, all of us. That's right. That's right. Nope. When we choose to ignore what God says, we're suppressing the truth. That is, we tie it up. We make it captive. We try to pretend that it has no power, mm. but it does. Um, and God will let us do that for a time. Sooner or later, truth will catch up with us. But in the meantime, God allows us to go our own way for a while, as Paul said in Romans. And the more we suppress the truth, the easier it gets for us to do that mm -hmm. until we have finally convinced ourselves that this lie is actually the truth. In 1 Timothy 2.4, Paul talks about liars whose consciences are seared. They're cauterized. They don't work anymore. Um, the lies seem to be all the more real to us, but they're still lies no matter how sincerely we believe them. So you look at creation, uh, you can see clear evidences of God. Uh, you even begin to see his character within that. Um, you're saying Romans is expressing that actually you have to intentionally resist that idea yeah. and yeah. almost cover your Decide vision. Decide not to see it. That's right. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So with all of that, I guess, you know, question I throw to you, Larry, like what do we do with this? Like all of this truth that's present there, what do we do? Yeah, you know, the, the ex, what I'd call external evidences of God are everywhere. It's, it's, you know, you walk outside and you see it, you feel it within you, you look at a microscope and it's like uh, the glory of God is seen all around us. And, and we do do that. We, we suppress that. And the Bible says that we are without excuse before God because what can be known of him is evident. It's, it's obvious. His character is seen there. Uh, his existence is very clear there. And so we're, we're in effect, uh, we're without excuse for denying God. Um, the marks of the Creator are everywhere on the creation. Uh, we mentioned a minute ago, all people are religious. We sense that inside of us. We know that there is something more, okay? Um, but we, we hold that back and we hold that down. Uh, when you think back to the, to the Garden of Eden, um, you know, the, the, the choice there that Adam and Eve made was so much more than just breaking a rule and eating a piece of fruit. It was so much more than that. It was a declaration that I get to decide what's true. I get to decide uh, how I'm going to live. It became autonomy from God instead of walking with God. And when they made that choice, they made a choice to be independent, to be, uh, to be autonomous in a, in a remarkable way. Um, we talk about self-direction, and we equate that with sin, uh, the thing that separates us from God in the Bible. Um, sin is a decision, a decision to go my own way. And what Romans is suggesting to us is that we can make a different decision. Rather than suppressing the truth, we can decide instead to lean into the truth. Instead of uh, living in self-sufficiency, we can decide uh, to find God as our sufficiency and to follow him. Now, sin is blinding, okay? It, it provides darkness, you know, and, a, and uh, you know, a mystery about who God is, and, and, and we hide God kind of from ourselves in, in some respect. 
And, uh, you know, when, when the Holy Spirit moves into the scene and he opens our mind, he opens our hearts, uh, that's when those glimpses of who God is in the Scripture become real. And, uh, and when we lean into that, God uh, shows himself to us. So the, the decision I would make is this. Rather than continuing to suppress the truth, make the decision instead to acknowledge God, to invite God into your life. Um, a great starting point uh, for all of that, I would say, is confession. You know, when we pray a prayer of confession, we're saying, God, uh, I recognize that I'm wrong. You know, I understand that I'm living in sin. I'm suppressing the truth. Uh, would you open my heart, open my mind? Uh, I want to know you. And when we, when we turn from that suppressing the truth and we turn to God, that's, that's repentance. It's, it's uh, no longer walking my own way, but instead uh, deciding on a walk with God. And there's great hope in that. Uh, there's a verse in Isaiah 55. It says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. Uh, God is all around us. We see it in creation. And when we, we turn from our self-leadership and we turn to God and acknowledge him as God, uh, we find him there. He finds us there uh, as we seek him. So you've got confession. Well, you've got the realization that God is. Uh, you begin to discover who he is. You cross into what Larry's talking about, confession, repentance, uh, walking in faith. And, and really, when you want to kind of sum that up, what we're really talking about here is we're talking about worship. We're talking about uh, looking to God as the ultimate person, right, that all things come from, and he's the only one who deserves that level of recognition, um, and, and uh, that's the response, right? And so uh, it's the reason that uh, like things like worship, uh, Romans 121 says uh, honoring God, giving thanks to him, uh, talks about that, is it says that right? Uh, people knew God was there, but they refused to worship him. They refused to give thanks to him. And uh, so it's like Larry said last week, right? Rejecting God is actually intentional. You have to intentionally choose uh, to oppose God. uh, And that's core to sin, right? Larry's already touched on that. And so uh, what I would say to that is this, because some people go, well, I I believe God. I believe that there is a God. And, And it's possible to believe that God exists and yet still not worship him. It's possible to mentally agree, yes, God is there. There is some creator. There is something that's out there and still refuse to worship him. That's what James chapter 2, verse 19 says, right? Uh, James says, oh, you believe there's one God? Good. You do well. The demons believe that, and they shudder at the thought. And so it is possible to agree that God exists and still refuse to worship him. But the reality is when you realize who you are, who you really are, and you realize who God is, the only real response is worship, right? That, that's, that's the only thing you can do because worship is actually what God desires from us. And it's not because he's insecure and we don't worship him that he's going to curl up in a little ball and cry and, you know, self-soothe himself or things along those lines, right? That's not what it's talking about. The reason he desires worship from us is because he's actually worthy of it. He's actually the only person who's worthy of worship. No, no one else is, nothing else is. And so this precious commodity that you and I have, right, worship, is this gift that we give to God because of that's who he is. So, so Chrissy, uh, you know, maybe people are wondering the question, like, well, what is worship? Help us understand that. Um, So I love the book of Revelation and the picture that it paints of what worship in heaven looks like. And in chapter 4, 
Um, it describes these four living creatures who proclaim day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then in chapter five, we see all of creation on earth, um, in the sky and the sea, under the earth, proclaim to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. So we see that true worship is focused on God alone, and it's about praising him for who he is and not for what he's done. Um, and this can be done, obviously, through music or through prayer, um, but sometimes an inward posture of the heart will, will lead to outward expressions of worship as well, like raising your hands or, or bowing down or even dance. Um, dance is something that I personally have found to be a very intimate time of worship to God. Um, for me, dance used to be a very performance-driven thing where it was all about um, me, really. And I took this class in high school about worship dance, and it made it a completely new thing for me um, to where now I can really let everything else just fade away when I dance, and it is all about God. And when I read those verses in Revelation, it just makes me excited to be part of that worship one day, too. Yeah, so worship is really, I like what you said there, it's really about the position of the heart, like recognizing God's God. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And, and where am I relation to him right. in that? That's good. And, and so Romans 1.21 talks about worshiping God and also giving thanks. And I think Chrissy did a great job of exposing what worship is, right? It's worshiping God for who he is. It's sim- simply based on his character, and that's it. That's why he deserves worship. But then Romans also says that we can give thanks, right? And so there's a little bit of a contrast between those two. And so you might be wondering, well, what's the difference between worshiping or honoring versus giving thanks? And so uh, worship is for who he is, but giving thanks, right, that is... Uh, for what he has done. And so we give thanks to God for saving us in Christ. We give thanks to him that it's by grace through faith alone that we can be saved. We thank God for giving us his image. We thank God for the people that he's put in our lives. We thank God for providing uh, all of the different ways he provides for us. And so that really is the difference between worship and thanks. Worship is focused on his character for who he is. Thanks is what in response to what he has done uh, and thanking him for that. And so when we're talking about worship, and we're talking about giving thanks, um, is it possible to worship someone or something else besides God? Yes. Thank you. Okay, uh, so uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> um, it's not only possible, but we all do it all the time. Um, when Jesus was talking in answer to the question, what's the greatest commandment in Matthew 2 and in Luke 10, he quoted uh, Deuteronomy 7, uh, excuse me, Deuteronomy 6, where God said that Israel is to love him with all their heart and soul and mind. And that is essentially worship. And whenever we uh, love anything more than we love God, whenever we give anything greater importance or authority, than what we give God, we are worshiping that thing. And this can apply to money or financial security or someone that we love, whether it be a spouse or a children or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or intangible things like our pride. We value our opinion over what God says, or we value our independence over submission to God. We are placing our own things above God's. 
And um, it's amazing, really, how easily we do that, and we don't even think of it most of the time. We don't put it in those terms. But that is one aspect of what Paul meant, I think, when he said we serve the creature rather than the creation. And there isn't one of us that's not guilty of doing that. And isn't that that such a flip-flop? Because in Genesis, when you look at the creation of man, um, God puts, right, he gives us a responsibility. And one of those primary responsibilities was you're going to be in authority over creation. Over right. creation. Uh-huh. And, and what Paul's saying is actually we've reversed that, and we've put ourselves under the authority yeah. of creation by worshiping it, right? Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I think being really aware of all of those things um, is thoughtful. So I think the, the practical question comes, okay, we know what worship is, we know what thanks is, we know we can worship other uh, things. So how, how do I, as a, as a follower of Christ, how do I worship God? I do think this is where Psalm chapter 19, verse 1 comes in helpful. Uh, I shared at the beginning of the teaching, which is, right, uh, the, the heavens declare uh, his glory, um, the sky uh, pro- proclaims his handiwork. And so... Uh, in the same way that creation does that, right, declares and proclaims, I think we can declare and proclaim as well, right? So you have the heavens declaring God's glory. Now, the word glory there means weightiness. Um, it, it, it means seeing how immense God really is, like how massive, how incredible, how remarkable, how he's unlike anyone else. You can't ignore him. You can't look past him. The only way you can ignore God is if you're blind, that, that, that's what this is talking about. But when your eyes are opened, when your eyes are opened and you behold his glory, you want to declare it. You want to talk about what you're experiencing. And so that's tied to proclaiming his handiwork. And when Psalm 19 is talking about, the handiwork is, yes, it's about creation, but I also quickly go to what, what is God's greatest handiwork? I would say it's the handiwork of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest handiwork that we can proclaim. And so when you experience the grace of Jesus, when you see that Jesus took your place for sin and for death, and that Jesus suffered in your place God's wrath, when you see that Jesus invites you to all the benefits of a son, it becomes our joy to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It becomes our joy to proclaim the handiwork of Jesus on behalf of all of us. And so I think this is, you know, when we're talking about that, that's what really worship begins to look like. It's declaring, it's proclaiming. But I also think another great way, and maybe one of the most foundational ways to worship God, is to simply know him. And and one of the clearest ways is through the scriptures. And Larry, you have some pretty clear thoughts about scripture and, and worship and all of that. Yeah, when I think of uh, what we see in creation, kind of that internal witness uh, inside us that there's something more, um, all of that that we can see, you could call that kind of general revelation. God has revealed himself in a general way uh, that all people can see that, and all people are without excuse because it should lead us to God. You know, quite frankly, you see this, uh, the immensity of creation, and it, and it draws you back to God. Uh, but God has given us more. Uh, he's also given us what we would call specific Revelation. Very specifically, God has uh, communicated to us through the scriptures. So we're not left guessing, you know, we're not get left wondering uh, what the, the meaning of creation is. We can actually know God in clarity. He's communicated to us in, in words and language that we can read and understand. Um, I, I think it's important in life to kind of put stakes in the ground sometimes. 
and uh, to, to uh, kind of mark places where you can go back in your, your spiritual journey and, and remember uh, what God has done and how he's uh, d demonstrated himself and shown himself uh, to us in our lives. And for me, uh, one of the greatest stakes, maybe the greatest stake that I uh, leave in the ground, I've talked about it a little bit before, uh, is, is, goes back to 2010. And in 2010, I had just left a corporate job where I was working like mega hours and doing tremendous amount of traveling. And, and I got to the point where my soul was just tired. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, where you're just like, you're like soul tired. It's a different kind of tired than needing sleep. It's just tired. And I got to that point, and my heart was actually longing uh, to know God. God felt distant to me. I was a believer, and I still just like, I couldn't grasp him like I wanted to. And I remember I left that job and came home, and I uh, listened to really uh, thoughtful guys that said, you know, before you find something else to do, maybe you had to spend a year after a time like that and think clearly uh, before you take the next step. And so I found myself in a bookstore, a Christian bookstore, talking to uh, the clerk at the, behind the counter. Uh, and we were talking about uh, being tired and, and really wanting to reach out and, and really kind of just uh, know God in a remarkable way. And he suggested, he said, uh, it's actually this, book, this Bible right here, this is a, a New Living Translation. This is the Bible that I picked up in 2010. And I remember, uh, I decided I was going to read that thing. I was going to read it from the beginning to the end, and I was going to seek God. I wasn't going to do devotional readings for life hacks to make me feel better. Uh, I wasn't going to uh, read it to justify what I already thought, but instead I was just going to read the Bible from cover to cover uh, to find God there. And it was a remarkable time. You know, I had to kind of push back against all the theology that I had in my head, uh, all the things that people told me I should be believing, all these different things that were running around in my head that were kind of competing uh, in the space of uh, knowing God. And I just read the Bible to hear God's voice. I would start by saying, God, um, I pray that you would open my mind and my heart to know you in a remarkable way. And so I did that. I read the Bible from uh, the beginning to the end that year, uh, kind of pushed back on theology and everything else I thought I knew, just seeking uh, to know God. And, you know, it was a remarkable time. It's kind of that stake in the ground where I look back and say, and that was the most refreshing time that I've ever experienced in life, knowing God, just reading his word. God has revealed us in a very specific way and that we can know him. Um, last week I mentioned that the, uh, Peter calls the Bible the active and living word of God. And the spirit of God is described as uh, the spirit of truth, the one who leads us to truth. Jesus said that. And when you put the active, living word of God and the spirit of truth together in the same sentence, uh, what happens is we gain spiritual understanding. And so, you know, my, my experience and my stake in the ground is uh, just diving into scripture, not out of obligation, not because it's a devotional necessity, but just to find God in there. And I, I, will, I would say this, it's almost like a money-back guarantee. If you, uh, if you seek him in the scriptures, you'll find him there. Yeah, that's good, Larry. Um, and and I would here's just kind of an idea to throw out if you're thinking, man, I'm resonating with Larry Sands, Chrissy Yvonne, uh, all of this, and I want to know God more clearly. Here's just a, a thought you might consider to take a step this week. It's actually on your blue connection card. Uh, the next step is this, to, to read Genesis chapters 1 through 3 this week and to really meditate on who is this God? 
Who is this God who has created uh, everything from nothing? Uh, what is he like? Um, what, what are the things that bring him joy? What are the things that, that are really important to him? Uh, all of those. And so uh, you might do that this week. And, and I would encourage uh, something similar to that, what Larry is saying here. It actually may be time uh, for some of us to, to actually grab a new Bible. Because you've got, if you're like me, you've got all kinds of notes in your margins and you've underlined stuff. And, and usually when I'll go back, I'll read uh, where I've already done that. My mind goes right back to that place. And, I'm, and my, mind, my brain's almost trained to remember what this really means and says. And so every couple years, you know what I do? I actually just buy a new Bible. Um, sometimes in a new translation, uh, and I just read the scriptures fresh again, and I get to put all new notes and all new underlines and draw pictures and, you know, whatever goes on uh, in there. But um, I would encourage that too when you're reading. Read with a pencil. Read with a pen. Underline stuff. Um, talk about, write in the margins what you sense God saying to you, what, what he's like, all of those things. Um, and, and one last thing I would say is when you engage the scriptures, uh, I would encourage you to find a time where you can, and a place where you can limit your distractions, right? Phone away. Uh, a time, you know, for me, let me just tell you what that looks like. I, I get up at five o'clock in the morning because that is because once my family gets up, it's game on, baby. <laughs> I don't know what it's like in your house, but that's the way it is in my house. And if I don't get up ahead of them, the day just goes. And, and I can go 10, 12 hours in a day and go like, oh my goodness, I, I have not really spent intentional time with the Lord. So for me, I have to start that day removing the distractions. And so getting up ahead of time, I'm at the kitchen table my Bible and notebook already laid out. The coffee got started, you know, before I got up. Uh, and then I go one step further. Uh, Don Basel calls him my, my pilot uh, headphones. He's like, what are you, taking off in a Cessna over there or what? Uh, but I put these noise-canceling headphones on, and um, I've just got this uh, music that I listen to that kind of helps me dial in and, and zone in. Um, but that's, giving, that's putting myself in a position to simply just be with the Lord and to hear what he has to say and reveal himself to me. And so I would encourage you this week, consider taking that step, next step. Let us know on your connection card that you're going to read Genesis 1 through 3. Uh, or maybe you're, you're going to grab a new translation and read cover to cover. I don't know. Yeah, we got Bibles NLT for sale. We're going to make a deal on them today. Uh, no, <laughs> you can pick those up for free. Uh, <laughs> that's the deal. So, uh, yeah. Hey, um, well, listen, uh, I want to say thank you uh, to this team uh, for helping to walk through the patches this passage this morning. Uh, Larry and Chrissy and Yvonne, thank you guys so much for giving time. Can we just say thank you to this group for sharing this morning and letting them know? Great. Thank you. Listen, um, one of the things that I think I would share uh, is this. If you didn't pick up on it already, creation is speaking to you. Every time you look at creation, it's speaking to you. When you look at the world, it's speaking to you. When you look into the face of another person, it's speaking to you. And what, creations, what creation speaks is an invitation. That's what creation speaks. Creation speaks an invitation. And it's an invitation to know the God who created you with purpose. The invitation is to know the God who created you with meaning. The God who created you for himself, right? That's the invitation. And really the only way that you can know him the only way we can really know him is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And for some of us here this morning, that's the next step. That's the thing, right? You will, you will never take a nature walk that will ever describe God with greater clarity 
than when you start walking with Jesus Christ by faith, all right? That's the only crossover where you really begin to know him, not just know about him, but to know him. And so, uh, man, if, if God's calling you, inviting you to do that, I pray that you'll take that next step this morning. I want to invite everybody here to bow their heads and to close their eyes as well if you're joining us online or someone else. I want you to ask this question. We ask it every Sunday. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen for a moment. We want to pray for you this morning. That's something that's really important to us here at Lighthouse Community. And so what we're going to do is the band is going to play one more song. And during that song, we're going to have prayer leaders who are available in every corner of the room. So up here on my left, on the right, back by the sound booth, and out by the exit doors as well. We're going to have people who are available to pray with you about any area of your life. And the cool thing is this. You don't have to be a member of Lighthouse Community to receive prayer, right? Anybody. This could be your first time. And you could go to one of our prayer leaders and ask them to pray with you about anything, right? Uh, you can be an adult. You can be retired. You can be a teenager. Uh, you can be a married person. You can be, it, it does not matter, right? Because every single one of us needs prayer. I need prayer. I'm up here most weekends because I need prayer. And so I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity. In just a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. When I do that, I'm going to ask you to head to one of the corners and, and receive prayer this morning. So let me pray for you, and then I want to invite you to come for prayer too. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.